0: turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I am super excited and so grateful that you are with us today, and also uh, super excited and grateful for our guest. This is a returning guest. Jared was part of our launch day series. And if you if you missed that, please go back and, and check out those the, those the launch day episodes. Uh, Jared was part of that, had an amazing interview, and just really looking forward to, to going even deeper today. Um, I can say this: Jared, Jared is, is a man who's having massive impact, and I know that our time together today is going to be uh, immensely valuable. Um, if you, but if you have not, if you did not hear that launch day uh, episode yet, I'm going to ask Jared just to give us a, an introduction, uh, if you would lay the groundwork for us, Jared. Sure. Well, first, thank you.
1: It's a pleasure to uh, to be back and, and with this wonderful audience. And uh, I'm excited to share. And Todd, uh, feel free to ask any questions you want to support your people. Um, but a little bit about me. Um, so when I was when I was 20 years old, I had this this like realization, and this realization I'll never forget the day I was I was driving the car by myself, and I realized. I'm going to eventually be a dad. And that's probably not a common thought for a a 20-year-old, let alone a 20-year-old dude. Um, But I thought about it. And the reason I even came to that was I was thinking about my past. And my parents got divorced when I was very young. And it was extremely intense, their divorce. Um, I'm sure there was other divorces that were worse than theirs. But there was a bad divorce. So if anybody were to ask me when I was 20, what's one word to define your childhood, I would have said, really loud like just it was like there was nowhere to go for peace so I declare when I was 20 that my future would be a lot quieter than my past and that by the time I was a father um, I would have freedom and I started digging into what freedom meant and it was time freedom career freedom financial freedom Um, it was geographical freedom it was health freedom And I'm like all right cool I know exactly what I want now How does someone create that level of freedom? And the only path that I could see that would get me there um, was entrepreneurship. So fast forward to today, 16 years later, I'm 36. Um, I have a beautiful four-year-old daughter named Taylee and a two-year-old little rock star son uh, named Riker. And I have that freedom, time, career, Geographical, financial, um, health, like a great quick story. And I shared this with you, Todd. like we as a family, we moved from Connecticut to Florida uh, in eight days and make, made a decision and then left, like sold everything and just did it. Like that's an example of freedom. Like I was able to, to do that kind of thing. That's something I really value. Um, and the reason I've been able uh, to do that is I've launched tons of companies over these past 16 years. I've had a few really great wins. I've had even more great learning opportunities. Um, but 10 years ago, um, I launched a company in my apartment uh, called Synduit. I was a solo founder. And one thing you should know about me is I'm a non-tech entrepreneur that has tech ideas, uh, which is really frustrating because you have all these things that you want to do, but like you have to find someone to actually do it because I can't write code. I can write marketing copy and I can sell. So that was the first version of Siduit. I sold myself as a copywriter. I got two really high profile clients. Um, they said to me, if you do right by us, you're going to be set for life. I did right by them and they were right. The age. I built an agency from those two clients that, that grew to 400 active clients in 14 months, which is a huge agency. Um, we had a big team, we had a big office. Clients were investing. Five to seven thousand dollars a month with a year commitment, and we did everything. We built their websites, we launched their books, we did their ad spend, like we did everything for them. Um, and there was no end in sight to our growth. I mean, we were really good at what we did. I had an amazing team, except I was the end in sight. like I was the one that said in two thousand and twelve, this isn't my vision. It's just too clunky. Every time we get a client, I'm going out and trying to hire and recruit somebody to manage that relationship. and I just don't like businesses that scale. Through hiring. So that was when it became really clear to me on what I could do next. And what I could do next was democratize the agency, make an agency accessible to every John and Jane Doe small business owner from around the world. And at five to $7,000 a month, that was not attainable. So I said, we need to find a way to do this for $50 to maybe $100 a month. And the only way we can do anything at that level is if we build a software platform. So I had no idea where to go to even start that process. So I started interviewing different development firms in 2012, Uh, In 2013, I hired one that came highly recommended. They built some really big tech and uh, they gave me a quote. They said 10 months and $750,000 for that minimum viable product. I said, let's give us a shot. Uh, I personally funded it. I was writing a check every month for $75,000. And at the end of the 10 months, they turned the product to me, and it was half of what we mutually agreed on. Um, and the final invoice, which should have been 75 grand, um, was $1.5 million. And I, I became friendly with the, the president of this company, which is a pretty big company. So I called him up, and I'm like, what just happened? And he's like, I know I'm just as surprised as you. Like, I had no idea, but they told me they were over budget. They just didn't communicate it well. So I negotiated a deal. I paid a little more. They accepted a lot less. But what I did negotiate for was the right to hire this one person that they hired, whose name is Mani. And Mani, in 2011, um, he moved from India um, because he sold his company. He built a really big development company, and he sold it. And he ended up moving to the end of the street where my, my original office was so it was like meant to be that we connected so this company hired him to move him into my office to work with me and he was amazing so when i parted ways with that company very amicably um i approached monty and said will you be my cto and he said he'd be happy to it's his dream so we started doing it ourselves they're building our own team we hired in the u.s we hired in canada about 12 people in India as well. And what happened was the India team was just better. Obviously their cost was better, but it was just a better team. They were more committed, they were more engaged. Um, But my challenge was I could not employ them. They were contractors. And as a contractor, their income isn't recognized um, by local banks. So I wanted to solve that problem for them because eventually they're going to want to buy a home and they're going to want to get a car and like, they wouldn't be able to if, if we couldn't figure this out. So it took me three years, um, but by 2018, I was able to set up a company in India that I personally owned. It's very, very hard to do that as a US citizen, but we pulled it off. We started hiring the team. We started scaling the team. This correlated uh, with Sinduit really scaling. Um, now we've over 40,000 small business owners on the platform and we're, we're scaling to the million because that's the goal. Um, But in 2020, this magical thing happened in this really crazy year that everybody experienced. I realized that I was obsolete at Sinduit. I mean, I had no role anymore. Like I was just getting in the way, which I personally think should be every entrepreneur's dream. It definitely was mine. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm 36. I have so much time right now. I have more ideas and resources than I ever had. Like what's next? So I called up Mani and um, I said to Mani, I have this this idea, I want to launch ten thousand syndicates, and Mani's like, "What does that mean? Like, what would ten thousand syndicates pay?" And I'm like, "I want to launch ten thousand tech companies," and he's like okay, like where are we getting these ideas from? And I said, from people. Like I want people that have ideas, that see an inefficiency, and they have a solution for that inefficiency, whether it's on an industry level, or it's on a community level, or it's on like a a world level. I want them to come and pitch me their ideas. And if I trust them and like them, and their ideas thought through, and it's not a competitive market, and I can see a path to get to market, I wanna build these ideas. Like I wanna build these ideas. I wanna partner with these entrepreneurs and launch a new company together. And then I wanna to go to market and help scale and eventually sell the company. But here's what I really wanna do. I wanna do all of this at cost so that there's no upside until there's an upside. And I wanna make building tech companies something that anyone with a great idea can do. So he said, I'm ready, let's go. So we opened up the doors to our portfolio um, in June of 2020. Um, we heard 200 plus pitches in 2020 alone. Uh, we said yes to 10% uh, of them. So, uh, we have about 25 tech companies that we've launched in, in six months. It sounds crazy, but these are like really big tech companies. Like this is like, not like little concepts, like these have like potential to like become something. Um, with great co-founders, we also launched an angel investor network at the end of 2020 as well, because I have a very large network of people that are accredited that have always wanted to invest in early stage technology, but they didn't know about it. and didn't have access to it. And I do. And they have capital. They want to write small checks. So we connected people with ideas that may have not had capital with people that have capital that don't have ideas. And we're making a big difference in this world and it's very rewarding it's really exciting it's giving people a chance to do things they just wouldn't do otherwise
0: wow that's super cool super cool what so how did how did you recognize that you were obsolete in your company
1: um uh, my, uh, this guy Alex and my team actually so Alex was originally hired as an illustrator um, and he he joined the company as, as a graphic designer illustrator and um, he has emerged to be a leader over time and in 2019 I came to him and I was like I don't know like I feel like I feel like I'm not having like fun like I used to have here and I almost feel like I'm in the way and he's like well maybe you are and I'm like what does that mean and he's like well maybe you are in the way and I'm like I don't know, man, like this thing doesn't move without me. And he's like, why don't you give us a chance? Like, give us a chance. Like, give us a chance. It was, I think it was like November-ish, end of November, right around Thanksgiving of 2019. Give us a chance to make decisions without you. Like, give us 90 days. Like, give us 90 days. And like, if everything starts to implode, you'll come back in and save the day like you used to do. And if not, you have a lot of time on your hands. So I'm like, I'll do that. It's a fair, it's a fair deal. You guys have earned it. Like most of you have been with me for years. So I just like kind of stepped away. Like I just let them do their thing, make their decisions. I was there if they ever got stuck, they knew when to come to me. But 90 days went by and we had more growth than we've ever experienced before. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. And then like COVID hits, and I'm like, oh, how could I how could I abandon the ship when like COVID's hitting? Like this is gonna all completely implode. And Alex is like, you promised that if we delivered in that 90 days that you just get out of the way. And I'm like, guys, but it's COVID. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can't get out of the way. Like, who's going to steward the ship? They're like – The stiff is fine like we got it go do something else so it was really him like him helping me see what what i wanted to see but i wasn't open to seeing and it gave me the bandwidth to think about what else i wanted to do um and the company has grown more than it's ever grown the team is more engaged than they've ever been uh it's exceptionally rewarding it's exceptionally exciting because i've always had this vision of of like building up people to step into whatever leadership means to them. Um, and me at the helm was suppressing that. Me not at the helm was giving them a chance to turn this into whatever they'd want it to turn into. So, yeah, it was it was literally Alex being like, dude, get out of the way. So that's how I realized it.
0: Cool. So that brings up a question. What do you do? so? Alex was there just to, to give you some reflection and give you a chance to think through it. Where do you, who are your thinking partners? Where, where do you, where do you go for thinking partners?
1: Um, I have like a few key people in my life. Um, so here was interesting. So CILA labs is the tech incubator and um, it's CILA create, innovate, launch, accelerate. And when I launched CILA, um, I had no intention on raising any capital. I didn't need the money. I was going to fund it myself. And I hired a securities attorney because I wanted to set the company up right. Because as a holding company that's going to have 10,000 tech companies, um, like there's just things we need to do now to prepare for that. So this woman happens to be um, the uh, counsel for Princeton University's tech incubator. And she's been inside of tech for, for 30 plus years. So I was recommended to her. She was amazing. We hit it off, and she's like, "What are you going to do for your cap raise?" And I'm like, "I'm just going to fund it myself. Like, I'm just going to write a check. Like, we're good." And she's like, "Billionaires take hundred thousand dollar investments. Why would you not?" And I'm like. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it, but I don't want people's advice, so I don't want their money. Like, I know what I need to do. She's like, but don't think about it that way. Like, what if there were people that you actually wanted their advice, and the way they got in was through an investment? So I'm like, let me think of that. So I slept on it, and I came up with four people that I would feel comfortable having their advice and their direction and their ideas. So I approached all four with the opportunity to invest, and all four of them were like, what? hells yes like we we are in like you have a track record this business model is extraordinary like we are in like we're not even negotiating anything like let's do it and as we start going through the process three of them weren't right for me. I'm like, ah, it's not right, not right, not right. Um, but one was. I'm like, all right, cool. So we'll have this 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 one investor. Like, we're good. Like I didn't need the money. So it was like, I was okay with just having this one person. And then I had a friend reach out to me who's very successful. He wasn't in that group four just because we didn't talk that often. And he just reached out to see what I was up to. He had literally no idea. It wasn't even public yet that I was doing this. And we started talking and he was talking about his vision and his mission around what he wanted to do in the world. And he's super successful. He had a huge exit a few years ago. And it just made like so much sense to have him get involved. So to answer your question, I have this like very exclusive group of investors slash advisor-type people um, that have track records in their domain. And that's who I go to, but I am also very insulated. So I spend a ton of time alone with my thoughts thinking things through, and then I execute really quickly so I can test my thesis. So I do go to people for some direction and advice, but mainly I'm just with myself and I, I execute so fast that I can see if things are gonna work or not work really quickly.
0: I'm processing that for a minute. That's an interesting way to go about it. Um. Like I don't have mentors,
1: right? Like, like a lot of people talk about like mentors and things like, I don't, I don't have any mentors like, at, at all um like i mean none and like and that's weird people hear it all the time and like i'm like i'm like a student of personal development through life experience so i, I wouldn't even say like i'm well read like because i don't read like i just analyze everything and like i am so deep in the trenches of so many different things yet i see it from the surface that it gives me like different access points so like I, i'm an odd entrepreneur because like most of my friends they're reading non-stop they have tons of mentors they join a accountability groups and masterminds. I just don't do that. There was one year in my life. I did it in 2013. I invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into accountability groups and masterminds and coaching and seminars. And I quit it all halfway through because it wasn't what I needed. Like what I needed was for me to have like my time to like see a problem and create a solution and then to build team around sustaining that solution. So I think one of the keys that I've realized as an entrepreneur is it's so important, and really as a person, it's not even as an entrepreneur, it's so important to find what works for you. Like it doesn't matter what like everybody else says, like people are always like, like leaders or readers, that's awesome, I'm just not, like I'm just not. And if I try to be, it doesn't serve me. So like for me, like for me being a leader, I just assess and analyze, and I'm really like emotionally very connected to, to feeling around how people react to things that I say. And that's how I learn, I mentor myself, and that's how I've been able to do what I've done, which is very odd, because most people have like lists of mentors and lists of coaches, I just don't have that.
0: Yeah, interesting. So there's the saying that you can't, you can't see the system if you're in the system. Um, And I think for a lot of a lot of business owners, um, they can't pull themselves back up to look at it like it sounds like you're able to go in and then come back out, reflect and and look at it. Where um, where I think a lot of business owners, once they get into it, they get caught up in the system and it's hard to pull back to let go long enough just to take time to reflect. Um, Is that a skill you developed or just?
1: You're 100% right. So that I actually think that if I wasn't the way that I am, I think Synduit would even be further along than it is. And Synduit is awesome. I mean, it's a software as a service, 40,000 plus users, all recurring revenue. But I think I was so deep in the trenches of that that there was things that now that I'm not, I would have done completely differently. Like just from go-to-market strategies to partnerships. Like, But I was just like so in it that I didn't have that opportunity to I also didn't have the mentors, whether that was intentional or not. I just didn't think I needed it at the time. Um, With SELA as an example, I'm not in the trenches on anything like at all. I I have four responsibilities at SELA. Number one is to bring consistent new ideas to the company because we hire 15 to 20 engineers every week, no matter what. So we have to have like a flow of opportunities or like there's people just like sitting on the sidelines doing nothing and I don't want that. So I am responsible for finding people that have ideas and then bringing them into the fold. The second thing is I'm responsible for financing. So a lot of the time um, people have great ideas but don't have capital. So that was the reason I launched the Angel Investor Network uh, Change Maker Ventures so that I could connect people with capital, people with ideas and help fund our ideas. Uh, the third thing I do is I, we've built a recruiting team because we have so many people that we're hiring, and I have trained them to be the most effective recruiters in the world uh, through like, deep, deep sales training. So our recruiters show up now, and they're actually selling an opportunity for a better life. They're not giving somebody a job. And it's a distinction that is fascinating because like the close rate on a qualified candidate is almost hundred percent at this point because they really get in, they ask the right questions, they're hearing what matters and then they're helping that person see that what matters to them is what we actually do. And if they're better with us than without us, they get them to say yes. And like, it's this, it's fascinating. Um, and then the fourth thing is I produce quite a bit of content. And I do that to inspire team and to inspire the world. So I share this because I don't get in the weeds on anything now, but I did. And I think it is one of the things that held it back. And now that I'm out of it, it's magically growing like a ton. Um, and I'm doing that approach with all of these portfolio companies, building team to be in the trenches so that I can see things that I wouldn't be able to see if I was that deep. So your point is completely on
0: you see, So when you took, first were talking about the four people you reached out to, um, and, wait a moment, I just didn't, didn't quite tell, how did you know, like? What, just thinking about um, for, for everybody listening, there's always opportunities, it seems like opportunities to bring somebody in or, or to partner with somebody. Like, what was your methodology? How did you know if that it wasn't going to work out? So, I i have this, I wrote up
1: this whole article. If, if people go to my website, jaredyellen.com, and to the blog, it's called Program Your Code. So, there's values and there's code. and And, like, all companies have values, all people have values, and values are wonderful, but values are a very like public-facing thing. People put them on their website, they say what their values are, people talk about their values, or their family, and, and their health, and I love it. Everybody should know what those are. Code is something that's just for you. Like if You don't talk about your code, you live your code. Um, and I, I wrote a whole process on how f- people figure this out, and like how they define it. And, For me, it was like feeling. So like I'm super clear on my code and it's a non-negotiable for me. Um, And the three people that I aren't right, I love them, they're great friends. They just weren't right. Like it was a feeling thing. And if you were to ask me, If you could go back and change anything about your entrepreneurial journey, what I would change is the fact that there was like three or four times that I didn't listen to my gut. And those are the three or four times that either led to lawsuits or like lots of money that was lost. And I knew that it was going to happen. Like I knew it, like, but like I didn't listen to it. And that was like code talking, like. Your code is like it's like deeply what you stand for, and you can't even convey it sometimes because it's just such a meaningful thing to you. Um, so that's what it was. I just had that feeling show up, and I've like trained myself now like that feeling doesn't happen by accident, and it's a very real feeling. <laughs> like listen to it and then make a decision based on the feeling. So that that's truly what it was. It was just, a, and these are people I've known for like ten years, fifteen years. Like they're really close, but it just wasn't the feeling. It could have been something they said. It could have been their their position when it comes to financial distribution it could have been what their motivation was within the context of doing this and nothing they said was wrong like nothing but for me it wasn't right and i was already going in thinking i don't need anybody to do this so if i'm gonna have anybody do it i really want to make sure that our codes are aligned like it's more than values like we just like were connected like if I was ever not here, like like for whatever reason, like I disappeared, and they had to make a, like a, a life or death decision for something, like our decision would be the same. Like that's how aligned we felt. So that's what it was. If I just listened to my gut. The other three, it didn't feel right.
0: Yeah. So, hmm. and, and I've been I've been guilty of not listening to that voice, right? And 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 going ahead with things anyhow. And to your point, usually with. Less than desirable results, um, yeah. and I, so how do you, how do you how do you get the strength? Where do you gather gather the, the called the strength fortitude to, to say no? Because sometimes, in your case, it was somebody that you you'd been or you knew them, and you were in a position where you didn't necessarily need them. But a lot of times, as business owners and entrepreneurs we're cutting, we're caught in this, kind of, I kind of need this person. I don't, but I don't really feel right. Um, what would you, in that situation, what, what would advice would you offer people? So just restate the question. I want to make sure I answer it. So what's the exact question? Okay. Thank you. Um, based with that uneasy feeling and choosing to, to to bring somebody on to partner up with somebody, to go with somebody faced with that gut feeling, except, except the difference being you, you kind of need them and you can see short-term where it's gonna be easier. Um, what, what advice would you give to somebody?
1: Awesome, that's, a, that's such a good question. So I thought that's what you were asking. So that's amazing, amazing question, Todd. So there's two paths for everything in life. And the two paths are hard to easy or easy to hard. And like every decision we make is one of those paths. Now, 99.999% of the world will always make the easy decision, which leads to a much harder life later on. Like they'll, like they'll make the easy decision of today which leads to like a significantly more progressively difficult life. It's like health as an example, like, like they'll like eat the fast food today. Cause it's a lot easier than going and like juicing every day and like filling your body with high quality nutrients. Cause it's easier today to go to McDonald's and to juice for yourself. But like later on in life, it gets a lot harder when like autoimmune disease emerges and you're obese and you're on all these medications. So like easy, hard, in my opinion, never works. Like it just doesn't now hard to easy does. And hard to easy often means we have to make the harder decision on the upfront to make life progressively easier. So to me, that's entrepreneurship. Like choosing to be an entrepreneur is by default the hard to easy approach because it's really hard. Like it's like, it's absurdly hard. It makes no sense. Like what makes anyone think that they can make an idea real? Like, like, like that's absurd, right? But like, for whatever reason you think you can, right? So like, that's, that's the hard to easy approach because when you figure it out, your whole life gets a lot easier. Whereas like being an employee, nothing wrong with being an employee, but I look at it as the easy to hard approach because like you don't control your freedom as an employee. So it's easier because you get a paycheck, you get benefits, but it's harder later on because you, you may have not had that big financial break or that big opportunity to create a lot of freedom for yourself. So you have to work like forever, that type of thing. So it just gets progressively more difficult the older you get. So in that scenario, I wouldn't do it like, cause I always choose hard to easy. I would rather either just be by myself and then figure it out on my own or find somebody else, which in theory is hard to find that other person who's actually right. That will make life progressively easier. Every bad thing that has happened in my life is because i let the wrong person into my life and bad not being bad it was a learning experience so i'm happy that it happened but every one of those like challenges like like moments where i'm like oh my goodness I let the wrong person in from business partnerships to joint venture relationships i mean and the whole myriad of things it was always because i took the easy to hard approach because it was easier to say yes to somebody than no but then it got a lot harder in the end and now I'm really okay with saying no, and I'd rather say no than yes because often, like that's the discipline that makes
0: life a lot easier later on. That was a fantastic answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that's a that's a perfect place to wrap this one up. Um, I, I, yeah, appreciate that. Hey, for for folks that would like to you know connect with you. I uh, get learn more about you um, and, and everything you offer, Jared. Where can, where can our listeners find you?
1: Um, yeah, my, my website is really the best spot. It's JaredYellen.com so like I was yelling at you, just there's no G. So J-A-R-E-D-Y-E-L-L-I-N dot com. I produce an incredible amount of content um, every day. We have blog posts going up uh, every day, like the 365s. They're three to 20 minute reads. Um, they're tactical and practical which is really what I stand for, is like, do this, do this, do this. So you can really start to see uh, velocity and momentum in your life. And all of my entities are there as well. So you can learn about all the things that we're up to at JaredYellen.com. Todd, I just want to acknowledge you, my friend. Uh, This has been fun. I'm so excited for you to enter this world as, as a podcaster and as the leader that you are and to mobilize this message and to really support people. Because entrepreneurship has this perception of a very, very, lonely journey, which it really could be. Uh, but resources like this help people feel connected and gives them directions of kudos to you. Amazing job.
0: Thanks, Jerry. Really, again, thank you uh, for the gift of your time and, and your knowledge. appreciate you so much. Uh, listeners, again, if you didn't check it out yet, go get back uh, to the launch series and, and check out that interview with Jared from back then. Uh, until next time, everybody, uh, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.